Have you ever had a secret you wanted to tell but couldn't? Early in my life, God put on my heart the vocation of marriage. In my early 20s, I thought this desire came to fulfillment as I was engaged. However, in a devastating way, this relationship ended. At that time, I remembered really discerning marriage. Was I really called to it? I remember the thought of taking it slow, something I was not very good at. Shortly afterwards, I found myself in a different relationship. So in typical fashion, after only two weeks, I bought an engagement ring. Like I said, I was never really good at this patient thing. I kept that ring under my seat of my car for almost an entire year. Sometimes I would take it out as if maybe the time was right. This was the day I would say to myself, then coming to my senses, put it under the car seat again. A few times I went as far as putting it in my pocket only to put it back again. There was this one time when we were sitting at a gas station and I really thought this was it. Thankfully, I thought better of it. After all, this was not the place to propose to my future spouse. There are several categories of secrets, those that are positive or negative, those about you and secret about others. In a book titled The Secret Life of Secrets, it describes the physical distress that comes with keeping a secret. As the author shares, the harm of a secret doesn't seem to be from having to hide it in a social interaction, but having to live with it alone in your thoughts. It goes on to say that when you finally decide to release a secret, it better be someone of the same moral character as you. Otherwise, it won't be a secret for long. Bottom line, secrets can be hard to keep. Today's gospel describes a secret. We enter the scene of the transfiguration with Peter, James, and John present. And scripture details the final exchange between Jesus and these three. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone. So they kept the matter to themselves. To understand the depth of this statement, we have to go back and look at the first eight chapters of Mark's gospel. More than a dozen times, Mark relays various episodes where Jesus heals. And in these stories, there are two common factors. The amazement, and then Jesus tells those he heals to keep it secret but they don't listen. Mark wants us to know that the people were shocked by these miracles. We hear phrases like, his fame spread everywhere. People kept coming to him. They were all astounded. They were filled with great awe and all were amazed. The gospel writer wants us to know that Jesus was a powerful healer and many came to him for this very purpose. But one detail Mark focuses in on is the tendency of those who were miraculously healed not to obey Jesus' simple request, to tell no one. Yet almost immediately they do the very opposite. So why 
after eight chapters of broken promises, do we hear in today's gospel that these apostles obeyed? We hear almost casually that after their amazement, they kept the matter to themselves. They did what all those who were healed couldn't do, tell no one. What makes James, John, and Peter better at listening to Jesus' words? If we go back to those that were healed, it's clear that they all came to Jesus for a specific purpose. They didn't just randomly find him. They came to find a solution for the struggle in their lives, and once released of that hardship, they left, never to be heard from again. But in Jesus' transfigured state, Peter, James, and John started to understand that he was more than just a healer. He was a savior. In the glimpse of Jesus, they saw what others couldn't yet see, and they wanted to understand it more. In the Christian life, especially during Lent, we fall in the trap like those who were healed and left abruptly. Let's face it, no matter where we are in our faith, there are times we have treated Lent like some magic pill. On Ash Wednesday, we flood the pews to get ashes. Confessionals are more crowded. We pray a little more. We give a little more. And we become more aware of Jesus in our lives. And these are all good things. But after Lent, what will happen? Will we give up on Jesus? Now, just like marriage is not only about the day of a proposal, Lent is also not just about Ash Wednesday or even about the 40 days. It's about growing to know and understand Jesus for our entire lives. We can do all the things in Lent and still act like those who were healed. James, John, and Peter, in the scene of the transfiguration, saw all of Jesus and not just one aspect of him. They saw what nobody else could. They saw his suffering and his glory for each of them. What is so hard for us to understand is that we are actually not made for physical healing, that healing that Mark Gospel highlights. Jesus can physically heal us, yes, but that is not his focus. When we only seek him because of what we can, he can do, we fall short in knowing who he really is. Jesus is more than someone who can solve our worldly problems. Now there's a time and a place for secrets to be revealed. Instead of healing those in Mark's gospel, what if instead Jesus were to say to those struggling these simple words? You were made for more than I can physically cure you of. How do you think they would have reacted? I imagine maybe the same way anyone would to a proposal at a gas station. Jesus didn't just want to heal them physically, but they could not comprehend the depth of his love until his death and resurrection. Mark wants us to know of this amazing story, how they were coming down from the mountain, and he charged them 
not to relate what they had seen to anyone except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead, except when he died for us, when he suffered for us, and when he rose for us. We are living in a time when the secret of the transfiguration can be understood more deeply. It's the secret of suffering, dying, and rising. It's a secret of love and true healing. This Lent, Jesus wants to put aside all the things he can do physically, and there are many. He wants us to see who he really is and what he has already accomplished in our lives. There's no better statement to understanding what Jesus really did for us than in Isaiah 53. Yet it was our infirmities that he bore, our sufferings that he endured, while we thought of him as stricken, as once smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our offenses, crushed for our sins. Upon him was the chastisement that makes us whole. By his stripes we are healed. We had all gone astray like sheep, each following his own way. But the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. The question today that the gospel challenges us with is do we desire God or just the things that he can do.